0: Let's stand as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord. Mark chapter 1 and verse 14. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel." Now he was walked by the sea of Galilee and saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net under the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further, hence he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them and they left their fathers, Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and they went after him. Father, we thank You for the reading of the Word of the Lord and for the story that's therein. And now, Father, we ask that as we present and and preach the Word of the Lord, I pray that You would just use me in a mighty and powerful way, that You'd hide me behind the cross, that the Spirit of the Lord would have liberty in this place to speak to each and every heart, drawing us out, calling us and, and giving us a purpose for the future. Lord, we love You and we thank You that You love us. Now, bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and you may be seated. So, this morning I want to talk about our theme, uh, Who's Your One? As we examine Christ's calling of these fishermen, um, it's going to help us to see the question, Who's Your One? Now, I don't want you to get confused with the mission strategy and vision statement that uh, uh, we shared with you a few weeks ago. So if you go to that slide for me, Mary Jo. All right, so a few weeks ago, Josh and I, or I had Josh do it, but um, introduced to you our vision statement and mission strategy for our church. Now, this is something that is not going to change. This is something we believe that is biblical. It is the direction that every church should be going in. And what we're talking about, our mission statement for our church is we're building the church of tomorrow today through fervent prayer, evangelism, discipleship, and family ministry. And out of the church, we're going to do discipleship, family ministry, and evangelism. That's our goal. We're going to focus what we do here uh, from now on based upon these three pivotal areas that God has given us in the Word as the main points of what the church ministry should be about. Uh, So even the little things will point to one of those three major areas of our ministries. So we have been looking at for the last many months uh, things that do not fit that criteria, and we've been gradually phasing them out so that we are only doing that which we believe will focus us on evangelism, discipleship, and family ministries because we believe biblically that's what God has given us, the three areas that we need to reach in this world while we are here. So, now saying that, I don't want you to get confused. That stays. But year after year, I ask the Lord to give me a new theme for the year. And the theme uh, is not the mission or vision strategy. The theme is something else. The theme is what I use to excite and call to duty every year to give a clever hook, if you would, Uh, to motivate you to doing what we're supposed to be doing. Now, you say, well, why do we need that? Well, because we all need that. Sometimes we get stale and stagnant in what we're doing, and we need something to to shock us, to draw us out of our, uh, our, our routine, and give us something new to look at. So our theme this year is, Who's Your One? Again, building the church of tomorrow today through fervent prayer, evangelism, and discipleship, and family ministry. So our theme is going to impact all three of those areas Uh, evangelize we're going to be challenging you and I'll speak on that today uh, to evangelize someone to find one in which you will fervently pray for and 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 God willing be able to share the gospel with this year the second side is discipleship We're going to ask that you would uh, come alongside somebody, walk alongside with them in the faith and say, listen, I want to come alongside with you and walk with you and share Scripture with you, share my life with you, help you to walk closer to the Lord. But remember, as you're helping them, uh, you'll be helping you as well. So I want you to find someone that you will prayerfully say, I'm going to come alongside them and I'm going to help them throughout the year. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to to be with them every day, but, but that on a periodic basis, you're spending time with them, you're calling them, you're checking on them, you're sharing Scripture with them, you're encouraging them to be faithful in church, you're encouraging them to be a part of different things that we're doing, so that they can grow in their walk and relationship with the Lord. Now, how does the third part, the family ministry, tie into this? We're going to ask that everybody in the church be a part of this, from parents to children. Parents, we want you to take this to the point of introducing this to your children to say, listen, I want you to find a peer. I want you to find somebody that you can pray for this year. And we're going to do it during our family devotions. We're going to do it during our uh, family prayer time at supper. We're going to remember those folks, those kids, those peers in prayer as we're praying together. And also for them to find somebody that they can walk alongside. They're never, you're never too young to be able to help somebody else in their relationship with Christ. It may mean as simply as encouraging or inviting folks to come to church. It may be as you're in PALS helping one of those children come along and understand the story. Or, or, or sing the songs or do something. It could be as you're in children's church. Or you're in, your in a discipleship on Sunday nights. That you're helping one of your peers come closer to Jesus. So we're going to tie all that together. But how do we do that? Well... We're going, to, we're going to take the, the, the mission statement and strategy and we're going to tie it into our theme this year. Now, in uh, uh, doing all of that, let me say to you that uh, um, for those of you that have said to me um, that uh, where were you last week? What were you doing? And some of you have heard I was fishing all right, uh, last weekend, but I want you to know that I was not playing hooky. I was doing research for the sermon this morning and there's the evidence. And he was delicious. So I was out doing research so that I could come prepared to preach to you this morning on how to be a fisherman of men. Okay. All right, so had a great opportunity last weekend to spend some time with my grandson, and we talked about being fishermen of men and how that is fishing. He's gotten into fishing, and so I was able to use that as a time to share some things with him, and, and it was just a great time. But I said that just so that you wouldn't think I was playing hooky last week. <laughs> all right, okay, all right. Get ready to go to the next slide. to Get it off that so they'll focus on me. All right, before we get here, all right, now let me just kind of... Uh, Set the stage if I would. All right, I don't know about you, but I don't know too many people that are going to follow somebody that just comes along that they don't know and say, come follow me. I don't know about you, but I'm not one of those people that every time somebody comes along with this new idea and says, come follow me as I do this, I'm thinking, no, I don't think so. Uh, I want to check you out, I want to know what you're teaching, I want to know what you believe, I want to know how you're living, I want to see a little bit. Well, in Mark's gospel, it almost seems as though that the disciples, uh, um, Simon and Andrew and and John and and, and James are uh, just the first time experienced with Jesus and he calls them out and says, come, follow me that's not the case. Mark's gospel is unique from any of the other gospels. Mark is one of those gospels. He writes the least amount and he is the first of the gospel writers, but he also, he, he's pointed, he's kind of, he narrows everything down uh, to his writing. So he is one of those guys that as he writes, um, his gospel is, is, is cuts to the chase. Now, in comparison, comparing the other Gospels to what Mark's Gospel says, we can find that it appears as though that there is almost a year's period of time that happens between, look at your Bibles if you would, between verse 13 in Mark chapter 1 and verse 14 of chapter 1 of Mark. Now, in between those two statements right there, there is almost a year of time. And in the other Gospels, what we find is that Jesus has encountered these guys before in several occasions and has shared the message of the Gospel with them. So now that as He is coming to Mark's Gospel, He's not calling them to salvation. He's calling them to service. And so that's what I want you to hear today. This is not so much a call to salvation message as it is, but it's a call to service for those who are already saved. All right, For those of you that may not be, yes, it's a call to the, the, the gospel. But if for all of us who are saved, this is our call to service. Alright, so during that time these men met Jesus multiple times, and now uh, he shares with them that that famous call to become fishers of men. He says, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. So let me explain Christ's calling of these fishermen. And I hope that when I'm done, you will see the reason that God has given us this year a theme of whose your one. So let's look at the pattern of Jesus' calling first. Now, folks, listen, when we look back at Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, notice what he says here that Jesus' original preaching had the emphasis of repentance and belief. Jesus preached repentance. My friends, Jesus, just like John who preached repentance, Jesus continued that message but expounded upon it, put more meat to it, gave it more depth, if you would. But repentance is all in all a major part of the gospel message. The Bible portrays a saving faith as as a life that is a changing faith. Otherwise, if it's not a life-changing faith, it is a dead or non-saving faith. The element of the gospel has fallen into hard times these days. And let me explain. We're living in a time that there has become a gospel being preached out there from pulpits and from people. What I call easy believism. Easy believism is simple that it just simply teaches all you have to do is pray this prayer and you're in. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what Jesus preached. That's not what the Apostle Paul preached. It's not what Peter preached. It's not what anybody's preached in the Bible. We should not be preaching. I believe this this gospel that is being preached called easy believism is the devil's gospel because he knows that it's going to take people to hell, thinking that they've done something to get saved, but yet have no change in their life that proves that God has come into their hearts and lives and changed them. Listen, my friends, the Bible is clear that we need a change. If there is no change, there is no salvation. Easy believism has crept into the church and it is a doctrine that is sending people to hell on a regular basis. If there has been no change in their lives, if they're the same person they were, no difference, no desire for the things of God, no burden for lost people, no conviction of the Holy Spirit about sin, then the church is simply no more than a social club. Or it's a thing that people say, I don't even need to do. It It has no value in this world anymore. My friends, we need to recognize that there is a need for repentance. If there is no repentance, there is no salvation. We need to repent. The destination of eternal souls is the most important thing the Bible talks about. God's desire from Genesis 1 to Revelation, the end, is all about the destination of the souls of those that He has created. So the destination of eternal souls is the most important thing there is, and that's why it's important for us to be sure that we possess and not just simply, listen, profess that we know Jesus. We must possess Jesus, not just profess that we know Jesus. Not everyone who says Jesus... Now listen to what Jesus says. Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and, have, and in thy name cast out devils? And in thy name done many wondrous works, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. The gospel over and over and over again show that Jesus is available to those who seek him. Incredible as it sounds, with so little time to teach these hard-to-teach disciples, Jesus seemed to be available for everyone that made a request unto Him. Everyone that came to Him for healing, for for counsel, for help, Jesus always stopped what He was doing and met their need. And in meeting their need, He always presented the gospel to them. He always shared about their spiritual need. My friends, we must look around and find the needs of people around us, but we should never, never, ever just stop with meeting the social, physical needs, but we must dig deeper to meet the spiritual need that we all have, that we all need Christ as our Redeemer. So Jesus took the time to share the gospel with all that came to Him. The gospel never records Jesus turning down a request for help. Jesus always had time to invest in others. Jesus was totally sensitive to the needs of those around him. Jesus always recognized an open heart, a repentant sinner. Jesus was never out of touch, even to the point when the crowd pressed against him. One time he turned around and said, Who touched me? For I felt virtue pass from me. The scripture tells us that there was a time when when a woman touched the hem of his garment. And here's what the Bible says. Jesus turning and seeing her said, Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. Christ's spirit felt that desire of her for healing. And that same spirit, that same Christ-like empathy... That Jesus had, He says that we have as well. As Christ lives within us, we have that same Christ-like spirit of empathy for others that help draw us to others that need Christ and those who need Christ to be drawn to us because we have something that they need. So with that, the question I want us to begin to prayerfully consider this morning is who is someone that you will commit to pray for, commit to share the gospel with this year? Who is someone that you have empathy for, that you know that they have the same need for Christ as you did, but yet they are living without Him? Who is that one in which God might place in your heart as one that you would be willing to pray for and then eventually share the gospel with? Now let's look at the power of Jesus' calling. Mary Jo, if you'll flip forward, there you go, thank you. Fishermen are always hard-working people. Usually professional fishermen, like in our story, it showed that they were, they were either casting their nets, they were mending their nets, or they were preparing to the catch in which they had just brought in. The Lord needs hard-working people who are not afraid to work hard for the kingdom's sake. A fisherman needs to be patient because he knows that it often takes time to find the school of fish. Fishermen learn to wait because they know that it's worth the wait. It certainly takes time for us to win people to Christ. When we were out fishing last weekend, um, we fished and fished and then there was no fish. (laughs) So we went to a different place. We went there and there and there and there and there and there and and ended up back where we were to guess what? To catch my big fish. (laughs) Okay? Sometimes we have to be patient. It doesn't come all at that one time. A fisherman must have good instincts. So we didn't go out fishing alone. We hired a guy that knew the waters. A captain who had fished them waters all of his life, who could navigate and take us to the places where he knew that fish would eventually be. Fisherman has to have good instincts for going to the right place and dropping the net at the right moment. Poor timing has lost many a catch, both of fish and of men. Fishermen must have skills They must learn from others where to find the fish and how to catch them. One of the questions that he asked us, have you ever been deep sea fishing? Nope. Have you ever fished? Yes, all my life. He said, forget everything you know. And guess what? It was true. Everything that I would do on shore, freshwater fishing, didn't work. I lost several fish because I tried to do it my way instead of his way. And that's the reality. When we try to do it our way instead of God's way, we're going to miss catching the fish. A fisherman must also have perseverance. It's not simply a matter of waiting patiently in one place, hoping that a fish will eventually swim by. But it's knowing that we must go where the fish are. We must move to and fro. We must... Go here and there and then back again until we find the fish. These men had to work together. The Lord demands that we work in cooperation one with another. As a church, if we're going to see the kingdom of God grow and people come to the Lord, we must work together. That means that we must pray one for another. We must support one another. We must help one another. Commercial fishermen, certainly ones such as the ones that fished on the Sea of Galilee, frequently faced considerable danger from storms and various mishaps. It takes great courage to reach out of our comfort zone and try to touch the life of someone in the name of Jesus. It takes courage. Be courageous, my friends because someone was courageous enough to tell you about Jesus. Be courageous enough to tell someone else. A good fisherman always keeps himself out of sight as much as possible. It is very easy for us to get the way uh, in the way of our own witnessing, causing people to turn away. A good soul winner keeps himself out of the picture as much as possible. But most of all, Fishing demands faith. Fishermen cannot see the fish and they're not sure their nets will enclose them. Soul winning requires an alertness and it requires for us to wait patiently. Casting our nets at the right time so that we don't come up empty. It's not up to us. And that means that we have no excuse. No reason why we're not fishing. No reason why we're not doing what God has called us to do. There's no reason for us to sit on the sidelines while others are doing the fishing. No reason not to be a follower of Jesus. Not to comply. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. He said, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Then the Apostle Paul also said, I have planted Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. So there is neither he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. With that kind of power behind us, that kind of power in us, that kind of power calling us, the question begs to be asked, who is your one? You have all the power that you need. All the backing, all the support. All we need from you is who's your one? The third thing I want you to see from this text is the presupposition of Jesus' calling. Jesus presumes something when He calls these men. The Lord said, Come ye after Me and I will make you to become fishers of men. He presumed that they would follow Him and that they would win men and women, boys and girls, to the Lord. He had a presupposition here that when I call you out and give you a task, you're going to go and you're going to do it. Can I be blunt? Can I be honest? I'm going to anyways. The church has fallen asleep in this area. We've lost our desire. We've lost our passion. We've lost our call. We've lost our urgency. We've lost that empathy that the Lord had for those that were hurting. The church is not doing a good job fishing. We've kind of set along the sidelines, maybe roasting marshmallows, but we ain't got our pole in the water. Jesus had called us to be fishers of men. Therefore, we have no business sitting on the shore when men and women are being lost at sea. What mattered to Jesus is that we become fishers of men. He wants us serving. But I ask the question, how many do you think are serving today in the church? How many Christians are actively sharing their faith with someone? Statistics tell us, and here's a shocking statistic, it's somewhere around 1% of the population of the church that's sharing their faith with other people. 99% of us are not doing it. But we're called to do it. We're commanded to do it. We're empowered to do it. And we've been left here to do it. How many of us know someone that needs the Lord? How many Christians are praying for that lost person? How many are sharing the gospel? How many are serving the local church, building the kingdom of God? Or how many of us are just sitting on the seashore, pretending we're fishing? I want you to watch this video. Some of you have seen it before. It's hilarious, but it's pointed, and I'll come back and explain it in just a minute well actually in six
1: <laughs> Oh, hey hey, how you doing yeah good to see you how do you like my new boat my new bass boat I, I love it can I show you a few things on it come on let me show you this is my fishing rod I, I like this one and, and oh look at this one right here this one got a snakeskin looking handle because i want to look good when I'm fishing, you know what I mean? So I I can do it, I can fish with this one and look good. It's it's good, I like it. You know when you're fishing, you gotta have a lot of different bait and lures and lots of different colors and and, uh, you you gotta have a lot of different things and then sometimes the fish just aren't interested at all. They're not interested in anything and so you gotta scare them a little bit. And so you get one of these lures right here and that'll scare them. And you might just spook them enough to get a bite. So if you want to scare your fish, then you can use something like that. Oh, this is one of my favorites right here. This this is a special hook and lure right here. You don't want to use this when you're trying to go for any old bottom feeder. No, you want this one when you're going for a quality fish. If you know you got a quality fish, then you want to bring out something like this. I, I just keep it right in the package. It's special to me. So yeah, you got to have a lot of different things in your tackle box.
2: So you're a fisherman.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, I'm a fisherman. I, I, I come from a fishing family. Uh, my daddy was a fisherman. My granddaddy before him, he was a fisherman. Uh, all my friends are fishermen. Well, no, that's not exactly true. I, I, I did have some non-fishing friends, but we just don't spend that much time together. Oh, well, why don't you? Well, I love to fish. They don't. So, you know, we just don't have that much in common. So, I hang out with my fishing buddies.
2: Don't you like non-fishermen?
1: Well, sure I do, it's not that, it's just that they don't fish.
2: Why do you think it is they don't fish?
1: Because they're stupid. What? Well, yeah, yeah, they know all about fishing. They know how great it is, and they don't fish? Let them eat worms, they're stupid.
2: Well, couldn't you just go teach them how to fish?
1: Oh, no, no, I, I'm i no expert. I, I couldn't teach anybody anything. <laughs> What am I gonna do? Go door to door, knocking on doors, saying, hey, why don't you accept fishing into your life, or you're really missing it, or, or, you know, hey, why don't you come fishing with me, or let's go down to fishing club this weekend? No, no, the people just laugh at me. I don't want that.
2: Well, I hear this is a great lake for fishing. Why don't you put your boat in the water?
1: Well, you know, I I like it right here. I come down here, got my donuts, I got my fishing buddies, we talk. Share all kinds of fishing stories. We'll shine up our boats, polish them up, get them clean. I love it. I like it right here.
2: Well, how often do you actually go fishing?
1: Well, it's hard to say. Once a week? No.
2: Once a month? No. Once a year?
1: You know, to be honest with you, I don't remember the last time I went fishing.
2: But you like fishing?
1: Well, sure. I love it. I love everything about it, but you see that's just it. What if I go to talk to somebody and I tell them how much I love fishing and I'll go on and on and on. You know what that's going to do? That's going to turn them off. It'll turn them off to fishing and and, and I'll just come across as one of those wetter than now guys. I don't want that.
2: Yet you call yourself a fisherman.
1: Absolutely I do.
2: But you don't fish.
1: Well fishing's not my gift. You see, but, but I do all kinds of other things. I, I, I'm the president of this here fishing club, and, and we've got a, a building project going right now. Where we're gonna build a big clubhouse where people can come down and talk about fishing. And, and I teach a casting class on Wednesday nights. I'm real busy. Truth is, I just don't have time to fish anymore.
2: Well, why don't you go ahead and put your boat in the water?
1: No, no, I like it right here. It's, it's dangerous out there. Things can happen to you out there on the water. I'm just more comfortable right here with my fishing buddies. Well,
2: how about walking down to the shore and throwing out a line there? No,
1: no. The, there's rocks down there. They're slippery. There's mud down there. What if I slipped and fell, got mud all over my outfit? People would laugh at me. I don't want that.
2: But you say this is a great place to fish.
1: Yeah. Say, did I show you all my tackle and all the different things I have? and? Oh my goodness, look at the time. I I really do need to get going now. Well, can
2: you just show us how to catch a fish? Just one fish.
1: No. Okay, no. I'm not going to do it.
2: Well, why not? You seem to have all that it takes.
1: Look, I could go down there, throw my line in the water. Maybe the fish are hungry, maybe they're not. We could be here all day and not catch anything. I could scare the fish. Another fisherman could come along later, he wouldn't catch anything. Besides, what if I did catch a fish? It doesn't just stop there, you know. You ever spent much time around fish? Let me tell you, they stink. They stink, they flop around. I could bring him into my boat, he'd flop around, get his smell all over everything. They're slimy. You gotta clean them. You gotta fillet them. (laughs) What am I gonna do? You want me to take him home, introduce him to my family? They don't like fish either.
2: You're kidding, you don't like fish?
1: Look, truth is, I can't stand fish. Is that a crime?
0: Now, I could have shared that story with you, but I thought he did a much better job. Let me ask you a question. Can we call ourselves fishermen if we don't ever go fishing? Year after year, goes by and we don't. Take our pole out of the house or out of the truck, but yet we buy our fishing license. We say we're a fisherman. Got all the right stuff, but we don't go do it. We might have all the right stuff, we might know all the right places, and we might know all the right ways to fish. But if we don't fish, we're not a fisherman. Is someone following Jesus if they're not fishing? Not according to Jesus. What about you? you a fisherman of men? Are you trying to catch anybody for Jesus? Are you praying for the souls of men? In our 2020 theme, to challenge you to pick one person by name, to commit to praying for that person's salvation, and for God to use you to share the gospel with them. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to do a couple of things. I told you there's two parts to this, evangelism and discipleship. So we've created two cards. One is an evangelism card, and on it, it says, who's your one? Who will you prepare or will you share the gospel with? The other one I'll give you in a few weeks, and it simply says, who will you disciple? We'll talk about discipleship, and we'll talk about the fact that who is somebody that you can come alongside. But here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to pray about who that person is. Now, if you want to take a card, I've got 100 of them printed up. We're going to make more. I had 100 printed up this week. You can take it this week, or you can wait get one next week. We'll have plenty. I want you to write that name down on that card. And what we're going to do next week, is this cross right here is going to be brought out to the middle. And on it, you're going to bring your card up. You're going to pin it somewhere on that cross. And that cross is going to be remained out in the open for us to be reminded throughout the year about the people that we have committed to to pray, to share the gospel with. Now, now, when it comes time to share the, uh, our time of discipleship, I went into our old sanctuary and found something that I've looked at for many, many years. It used to sit on the table, uh, communion table in front of the, the pulpit at the old church. It's the old big Bible that used to be in the old sanctuary. I got that out this week and brought it in here and placed it here and hoping that Tammy wouldn't knock it over. <laughs> uh, but what we're going to do is those discipleship cards... When you put that person down, we're going to put them in this Bible, in different places in this Bible, as a reminder for us that we're going to walk alongside somebody and share the Word of God with them. Encourage them to grow in the Word. It's going to be our reminder throughout the year that there's somebody that I need to be sharing God's Word with. Somebody that I need to be helping getting closer to God's Word. So we're going to have two visual reminders for us this year to remind us that we need to evangelize and disciple one. Now, it's probably not a good idea for us to make the same one we're trying to evangelize, the same one we're trying to disciple, because you got to first get them to the cross and have them receive Jesus before you can start discipling. So it's really two people that you need. Who's your one? But it's got to be two people. All right? Now, I know every one of us know two people. One that's lost and one that we can walk alongside that we can help. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be having different messages in between some guest speakers that we got coming and different things that we got that are going to be promoting this theme. Our theme this year, Who's Your One? As you come into the church, as you're walking down the main hall, as you look, there is a great big billboard that Carolyn and Larry put up for me. And in, it, in the middle of it is a mirror for you to walk up and look at. And it, in it, it's got the who's your one and then it's got a mirror that reflects what? You. Who are you going to reach? Not who's somebody else going to reach. You're looking into that mirror and seeing who God's calling you to reach. He wants you and I to do this. The kingdom of God is at hand and lost souls are at stake it's time for us to recognize that god wants us to cast the net and go fishing for men now i brought out two of my poles and a net that i went out and got this week for a reason one of the things i you know i've known this all my life fishing but um, when we were out on the boat um you know, the fishermen, the, the captain and the, the, the first mate there, um, they, uh, they put out several different, had us put out several different baits and several different lines. We had, there was just three of us fishing, but we had six or eight poles in the water. Why? Because it gave us an opportunity to catch a different fish in a different way, in a different spot. And so we need to recognize that, yes, who's your one, but you need to realize that there are more than one way to catch that fish, to catch that person. You've got to begin by praying, and then you've got to begin by sharing, and you've got to begin by living it out before them. They've got to see Jesus in you. They've got to see your heart for their heart. They've got to begin to understand that you have a passion and an empathy for their salvation like Jesus does. And my friends, when they see that you love them enough, that you're concerned enough for them, they will be open for you to share the gospel. Now some of you may cast your line into the water the first time and catch the big one. They may be ready. Remember what the Apostle Paul said. I watered, a Paulus planted, or vice versa. And uh, it doesn't matter. Somebody's already maybe come along before you and planted a seed. And you're just coming along watering it. Or you're just coming along kicking the dirt to, to make sure it's, it's covered. And all of a sudden, poof, it pops up. It's ready. Get it. Share the gospel with them. But you might be saying, well, I don't know how. Listen, that's not an excuse. There's tracks right out there. Put one in your pocket. It'll walk you right through the process. Oh, and by the way, for those of you that say, I really don't know how, I'd really like to learn how to do that. We're going to have some times when we're going to do that. We're going to be teaching you, every Christian a witness, uh, how to share Jesus without fear. We're going to be telling you ways in which you can help somebody else come to know Jesus. Because we know that we all have excuses. And we're going to eliminate as many of them as we can. You have the power. You have the spirit. You have the empathy of Christ. It's time for you to simply get off the shore and go fishing. And see what God wants you to catch. Who God wants you to bring to Him. God's already out doing the work. He just wants us to come alongside Him as fishers of men. So the cards will be available. I'm going to ask uh, uh, Josh, you don't mind, go back there if you will. If you want a card this week, pick one up. We'll give them out until we run out. We'll have plenty more next week. All right? Um, But if you just want to go home and pray for that person, come back next week. Do I... Downstairs? Up here, okay. All right, so there'll be plenty of opportunity, but your homework assignment this week is to pray. Pray and ask God, who is your one? Who is it that he's calling you to evangelize? Now, along that way, if he gives you one, to, that your disciple, write that name down, we'll come back to that one, okay? But who is it that he wants you to pray for? It's lost, it needs Jesus. Would you do that this week? Come back next week and we'll share a little bit more, talk about how that we can apply that to the cross.